Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Caroline Werner, Chief People Officer at LogicGate, a Chicago-based technology company that provides regulatory and compliance risk solutions. Caroline has more than 20 years of HR experience, including extensive knowledge across all aspects of HR strategy. Most recently, she served as the Senior Vice President of Global Talent at Corn Ferry, where she oversaw global HR operations, talent acquisition, and learning and development. Caroline joined LogicGate as their Chief People Officer in 2022, and has quickly made an impact supporting a workplace culture that encourages growth, collaboration, and authenticity. We brought Caroline on today to talk about HR's role within business and really having a seat at the table in all aspects. Before we dive into that, let's get Caroline introduced. So Caroline, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Hey, Josh. Thanks. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Really excited to dig into, again, all aspects of where HR can make a difference and make an impact in an organization. But before we get started there, let's get you introduced to our audience a bit. Um, Take us through your career path, but more importantly, tell us why HR? Really, what led you to pursuing a career in human resources and where did you find that passion? Yeah, I, I joke that I was born to work. Um, as a kid, I had a, a bit, I have it here on my desk as inspiration, a business card made in fifth grade, professionally made, just so we're clear with my phone number of babysitting, right? So I was out there marketing and, and uh, finding ways to make money and always had a job and really just wanted to get out there and work. And I was a political science major. I fell into a an amazing training program at Hyatt Hotels where you rotated through all the different functions and really found my love for operations and what it takes to run a business at all levels. And then honestly fell into HR, had no idea what HR was, had a conversation with someone, thought, no thanks, that sounds terrible. Um, But then as I learned more about it, there was much more to it and went from companies like Hydric and Struggles to Corn Ferry, Global, Matrix, Public, pretty big professional services, and evolved into, you know, being able to oversee kind of all aspects of HR as a true generalist. And through COVID, like many people had the moment of, you know, what lights me up? What brings me joy? What do I want to do? And made a big change to come to Logicate, which is, you know, tech startup and just a completely different environment and company type. That's great. And, and yeah, again, I love asking that question to start of how do you find HR? And oftentimes it's the opposite answer, right? HR found you. I've heard that from so many of our guests, and it's, it's really interesting, again, not planning to get into human resources. Oftentimes, you find that it aligns with your passions and falls at the right time, uh, and, and a career is built off of that. So that's great, and thank you for sharing. Yeah. All right, so let's dive into this idea about the evolving role of the HR department. Why are organizations missing out right now if they haven't fully integrated HR into as many aspects of their business as possible? Yeah, I think HR, I mean, especially in the last couple of years, you know, has evolved a ton and is constantly having to keep up with all the changes from state and federal laws to political environment to, you know, the economic and external market impacts. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, HR has to be the core foundational operations of the company. There are lots of things that we do that many people don't see, but, you know, check the box, you have to do them. And they can get complex depending on the type of company, the industry. Of course, if you're global, when I think of HR operations, 
But to me, the secret sauce is really having HR integrated into everything that you know we do. You'll probably hear it say, probably hear me say it a couple of times. I think HR and in particular being the head of HR is a privileged role. And I really do take that seriously because we are touching on every single area of the company, right? We have to interact with every single employee. We interact with people that don't work here yet, that used to work here, and then through all aspects of the entire life cycle. No other role in the company has that. And so it's so critical to leverage that and get it right and have good people in those roles and have it tied to your business strategy in order to maximize the impact. Yeah, I love that. So looking at integrating HR into so many aspects of the business, I thought it was interesting in preparing for the interview, you had the idea of really being front-facing. So how can HR make a difference in the external components of the business? For example, like why should HR be on customer calls? Yeah, a couple couple of different thoughts on that. You know, and it's less about just HR needs to be on the customer call, but I think definitely around the calls, on the calls internally about customer issues, right? And it's funny, some people look at me like, why are you on this call? You know, if we're looking at account red accounts or the product roadmap rollout. To me, the more knowledge that I have, by the way, same for my team, uh, about the business, both actually and optically, that others see that you understand the business and what we're trying to do, that's that's magical, right? You can apply all that to everything that we do. And we're looking at the type of talent we want to hire, the type of trainings that we need. You know, How do we successfully onboarding? Who, who's going to fit? Who's not? You know, are we equipping our people leaders with the right tools to, to train and impact the day-to-day of the employee based on the issues that we're hearing. I think conversely too, in my last life at Corn Ferry, which was, uh, I was focused a lot on the RPO business, so recruitment process outsourcing, a lot of people were sitting on site at our clients, right? And so you have all sorts of dynamics there where yes, they're your employees, but day-to-day they're interacting on site and almost pseudo like they work for that company. And so having those relationships with the business leaders, the HR leaders at those clients was super important to make sure that that relationship is just working cohesively. Well, and such an important aspect of HR teams goes back to building and maintaining and establishing what culture is for your organization. And what better team to have a part of so many aspects of the business than the team that really helps mold the culture and understands the culture from top to bottom. I think that just brings so much value into so many aspects of the business. When you really know the team, you know what makes everybody tick. Yeah, I think sometimes too, we can get lost in, I talk to my team about this all the time. We get lost in the, what's the latest trend out there? Oh, what's this tool? Oh, we could do this program. Super interesting. There's a million things out there, but also we got to think about what is the business going to find value in and see as relevant? Because at the end of the day, I can do whatever, but if the business looks at it and says, "Uh, who cares? And, And that could be an employee, a people leader, the executive team, then what's the point? Right. There's only so much time in the day. There's only so much attention that's going to be given to some of this stuff. And so understanding the business and making sure the decisions that you're making are feel relevant and valuable to the people that are doing the work day to day is critical. Yeah, that's really well said. So looking at HR's role within organizations, have the expectations and requirements of HR teams changed over the past few years within organizations? My gosh, tremendously, right? Because HR is sort of also the catch-all, right? It's kind of like all things random. Let's just go to HR, (laughs) which frankly is part of what I like about it, to be honest. I guess I'm a a sucker for punishment, but think of all the things, right? Between just the 
obvious things, COVID, we had to all go work from home in a very short period of time, which I'm sure none of us would have thought was even possible. And just all the complications, logistics, dynamics of that. Then actual COVID, right? The illness, the the impact of that on health and healthcare and mental health, and whether it was the individual or the dependents. Then the political climate, right? That, that's been interesting over the last couple of years and just gotten more complex, I think. And then, of course, the, econ- you know, the economy, because we need something else um, on top of that, that just sort of the uncertainty um, and the challenges and impacts of all that. So like blend all of that together, right? And that, of course, impacts the workplace because it's about people and all of that impacts people. And I think a lot of pressure and responsibility was put on HR to kind of manage through that for the company as well as help, you know, people leaders navigate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, you had to help steady the ship, especially in such turbulent times as COVID shutdowns hit. It fell to the HR teams to really figure out, okay, how do we build a a working model going forward that can keep businesses going, can keep sustaining? Uh, and then also right, right now in real time, we're figuring out how organizations will be going forward, right? How do you manage hybrid versus in-person versus fully remote? How do we manage a lot of just the requests and needs of employees right now in a tough economy for recruiting and for finding top talent when, again, there's so many options out there, really creating a great employee experience that all falls into the HR camp and can really help drive an organization going forward. Yeah, now it's this weird, you know, is this the new normal? Is this how we're going to be? And so that goes to like staying on top of, of as much as you can as far as, well, again, whether that's regulations or restrictions or trends, you know, and, and you got to balance I think it's good to stay on top of all that, but you can't put too much pressure on yourself because you can kind of go crazy trying to, you know, do this, do that, make sure this is right, follow that. I think it's just important to get a baseline understanding and then regularly check in on that and be agile to change it, but also not, you know, spin yourself in circles. Absolutely. Do you think there was more of a progression pre-2020 to having that really present role of HR in the C-suite? Was that happening pre-2020 or was that something where post-COVID it really kicked into high gear and made it a priority to give HR a voice in the C-suite? I I think, you know, my personal view on this, I think post-COVID it has certainly been more consistent and at least optically because there's, to be clear, (laughs) anyone can say, oh, HR is at the table and it's super important, but the truth comes out in the actions, right? And how it's actually integrated and leveraged. And I would say whether, you know, 40 years ago or today, it completely is dependent upon the CEO because it starts at the top with how that person views HR, how they want to leverage it, and then therefore what type of person is the head of HR, right? And then what type of team they're building out. Because if you don't have the support and the buy-in and the view from the person at the top that it is important, that it can do much more and should do much more than all the, you know, compliance and ops things, which are extremely important as well. It, it just kind of doesn't matter. So I think it's super dependent even in today's world on what the CEO wants and how they value HR. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And again, that's something that certain CEOs were looking at that pre-2020. I think 2020 probably just put things into hyperdrive where many organizations are probably forced to face or think about different aspects that maybe were uh, taken for granted pre-2020. So as a member of the C-suite and an HR leader, I love that you said that you feel privileged in that role. So what makes for an effective CHRO or chief people officer or just HR leader in an organization? 
So again, I'll read, I think it's super critical, the relationship with the CEO, um, which I am super grateful and blessed. I have an amazing relationship with my CEO. And that was frankly, 99% of the reason why I joined when I interviewed with him. Um, he believes in people and he sees it as important. He sees me as, you know, his superpower, um, given the role that I'm in and have that view across the entire organization and have those relationships. And so honestly, it's like unleash the beast. That's what makes it work um, for me personally. And I think that's critical. I think, again, I talk about the art and science a lot and it's tricky, right? Because HR has to do things that aren't fun, that sometimes are controversial. It's not about making everybody happy. And so it is a dance. And I think that becomes even more critical the more senior that you get. I talked to my team, especially some of my you know up and coming hypos on my HR team of the importance of this, because you got to have the check the box, you know, understanding of the regs, the rules, whatever. But it's also, you know, you want to be approachable by the employees, but you're not an employee representative, but you but you also want to be respected, you know, and so it's balancing all those dynamics and doing ultimately what's best for the company, which may sound weird. I know there's a lot. It's not that it's not the best for the employee, but at the end of the day, we work for the company. Right. And so I think that is a big piece of effectiveness in any HR job, particularly when you get into, you know, my role, the CHRO is balancing that art and science and being approachable, being accessible, but also being able to provide guidance. At the end of the day, my role, I see it as like, okay, here are two paths you could take. Here are sort of the pros and cons of each versus telling them no. I mean, once in a while I have to tell them no, but I really try not to be, you know, the no police and make it more about, you know, trade-offs and choices with this path, trade-offs and choices with this path, and what do you want to do? It's your call as a business. Uh, but I think that's one of the key ingredients to to success in the role. And honestly, just the relationships that, that I have. So for me, 75% of what I do is connect with my C-suite colleagues. I'm a sounding board for them. I give feedback to them about themselves as well as about their teams and things that I'm hearing. And I help them navigate through difficult situations, change management, tricky customer situations. And that's the bulk of my job. And I think a big piece of success in the role. I love that idea of providing some options for your colleagues as opposed to just giving them the hard no or yes. Uh, I think that just creates a culture of trust too at the top level to say, hey, look, I trust you to make that call of what you think is best here are your options. Here's, here's what you're looking at on either side of it. But I trust that you're going to make that right call and we'll go that path. That's smart from the top. And again, that top-down leadership, as you said, it starts at the CEO level. But again, as uh, the chief people officer, you're again setting that tone for the rest of the organization to again have that trust internally to make the right calls based on what's best for the group and what people think is the right path to go down. Totally. And sometimes they make the wrong decision. Right. <laughs> And that's okay. We're all people too, you know, but the business owns the decisions. It's not my decision. I mean, to be clear, some things, yeah, of course I have to make the call on. I'm not sitting here not doing anything, but when it comes to navigating tricky situations, like the business has to own the decision at the end of the day. And the only way to ironically to build the trust is to allow them to own it. You help them navigate it. You help on the back end, whether it turns out, you know, to have issues or not, And then that builds more trust for them to come to you, right? I think that's where people miss. They try, you know, I get the question all the time. How do I get a seat at the table? How how come nobody comes, you know, whatever. And so it feels counterintuitive to kind of walk them through the options and not necessarily give a a decision uh, for them. 
but then ironically that that's what builds the trust and the solid relationship and makes them come to you more consistently yeah with that idea of trust and really as being a team leader I want to look at that idea of helping promote the next batch of leaders and just helping advance your team. So looking specifically at your HR team and just HR up and comers within the organization, but just within the industry, what are some of those skills and experiences that can really help HR leaders who are looking to take that next step into becoming C-suite members? You've gone through it personally, again, advancing through and, and growing, but what were some of those skills and experiences that really helped set you up and could set up that next batch of HR leaders. Yeah, this is definitely a a passionate topic for me. I I love helping good performing people be their best and giving them the the environment to excel as high as they can. I also would say I've learned more from the bad things in my past, right? When things are great, life is great and isn't that easy. But when you have a challenging boss or you're frustrated, especially as someone who has moved up quickly at an earlier stage in my career, there's lots of positives of that, but there can be lots of challenges. And I I hope that that has been a big part of the ingredients that I use for being a leader and seeing in hypo people. Like I don't look at how many years you've had in the industry or what you've done previously necessarily. I mean, obviously certain jobs have to have certain skills, 100%. But are you resilient, right? Are you agile? Are you willing to take whatever on and learn it and and get the opportunity out of that? I could teach you anything. I was I didn't know anything I do now before at some point and I learned it. So it's less about that and more about, you know, the EQ and the softer skills and I'd say particularly in HR and certainly in my own leadership philosophy. And so I think it's so important to identify those and help people understand that that's really the key to success. If you want to move up quickly and continue to get responsibility, not everybody has to, by the way. I think the other really important piece that's sort of lost in the either the schooling or the experiences or mentoring of others is it's so important to build your external network. At a very early age, I was building my external network and in a meaningful way. I'm not saying just for network's sake. And that has served me super well in many, many ways, including I got to lodge a gate through someone I've known for for 20 plus years. You know, you just never know. And I think it's healthy to get an external perspective for yourself to bring back to the company um, and also just build as you continue to get more senior, it becomes even more important. Yeah, right. You're building your own community and you need to, again, have that team around you that you can lean on and ask questions to and learn from. And I think it also goes back to that idea you talked about with trust. Within a team, even having some trust within your up and coming team members to say, hey, I'm going to give you this opportunity to get some of that experience. And that applies at all levels of the business too, even outside of HR at any point where you've got to have trust in those team members to give them that chance to possibly fail and learn from that. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I, I, I learn every day <laughs> and I'm constantly reflecting, oh, could have done that differently, you know, Um but I really have tried, especially as I've gotten more senior and have a, I have a very strong team under me, which you know makes my job super easy. Uh, but sometimes those things that I may see as you know generic or easy or whatever to a person that's ever done it before, that's an awesome opportunity. Which also because people talk all the time about like delegation or whatever. Yeah, super important. But I would also look at it as like finding opportunities for others. So yes, it's getting off your plate, but it's also giving others opportunities. 
And I encourage my team to have their own connections with the business. They need to have their relationships. I have mine, right? We all work together, but they need to have their own relationships and and find any opportunity I can for them to present their own work, whether it's at all hands or to the executive team, because that is a great opportunity for them. And they very much appreciate that, right? And uh, it seems obvious to me, but not doesn't happen all the time. Are there any soft skills that you feel have really helped you as an HR leader and, and that maybe HR teams should be coaching up within their team to really prepare that next batch of leaders? It definitely. I mean, the, the whole concept that I talked about, about art and science is a big one. And it's hard, like really, really hard, especially when so much of HR is, you know, compliance and rules and regs and ops. And um, but having that balance of especially as you continue to move up of the art and the science, I'd say the other one, which has been a, 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 a big growth journey for me, not as much in the last couple of years, but certainly, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, as a, you know, a type A super driven person who likes to have everything tick tied and buttoned up, you got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and the gray. Um, you know, I, I had a boss in my last life who would say, you know, I care, but, but not that much, which may sound terrible, but I got what he was saying, right? It's like, you got to care, but not that much, you know, 80, 20, whatever, pick your, pick your poison of what you're saying is, but get comfortable with like, okay, it's not all going to be perfect. And we're going to move on and let it rip. I'm talking about if we're rolling out a communication or a program or, you know, whatever. And I think getting comfortable with you're not going to have all the answers. It's not going to be perfect. Whatever perfect even means um, is is really, really critical. And like getting genuinely comfortable with that. I'm not saying anyone can say that they are, but really, because it also free up your brain and your time, frankly. You know, do you have to edit every single doc to the nth degree? No. You know, is anyone going to die if we use a different font? Like pick your battles, right? Pick the hills you're going to die on, um, I think is a big one. And then honestly, for me, and what I think has been my own secret sauce are two things, being resourceful. I mean, again, I go back to, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how, I didn't know how to do anything I do today at some point, but I was absolutely the person who raised their hand. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Whatever. Thinking, I have no idea what this is, you know, and that is so important and an important skill, especially in an ever-changing world. And then I'd say resilience. I mean, I just just don't get frustrated with stuff. And, you know, you deal through, I love a good crisis, which, gosh, that's proven helpful in the last couple of years. But again, you sort of go into the mode of trying to figure things out, help the business. We'll figure it out and it's going to be fine. I had a leader tell me once, I love this. I love a good saying. But, you know, is it a one-door decision or a two-door decision? Meaning a one-door decision, we got to spend a lot of time on that. If we can't go back, it's a big impact, it's complex, it's time-sensitive, whatever. Is it a two-door? Meaning, yeah, we should make the best decision we can, but we can always go back and revisit it and it's not going to be disruptive. And then figure out how to spend your time and energy accordingly. And I just love that. It totally resonated and put into words what I try to do, which can be challenging. I love that. That's a really cool way to look at it again, the one door versus two door decision. I love what you said too about really embracing the unknown, the unexpected in the role. But then once you're in it, you've got to be resilient and just power your way through it. It it may get difficult. Again, a lot of these challenges when there are are unknown, you're going to hit hiccups along the way that may not have the answer right out in front of you. And you've got to push through and figure out the solution. If it is that one door situation, you've got to get through that doorway and get through it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
And what I love too, and again, we were talking about liking sayings and quotes before this interview started, um, and it ties nicely to your first point, don't let perfect be the enemy of good is one that I've always leaned on is just know again, how much of your time you need to put into something to where it's, it's good enough. It's good enough can be good and move forward. And again, on to the next thing. And it's one I've had to learn, right? I would say though, there's nothing more brain numbing and frustrating than being the person that's on the other side of that. So I really try to lean into that as a leader to make sure I'm not doing that. Um, Because I've had environments where, you know, we spent endless hours and countless conversations with everyone under the sun talking about, I mean, I'm actually not kidding, like the font size of something. And is that really a good use of time? And it just, it like slowly erodes at your soul. (laughs) Clearly, I don't have PTSD about this. (laughs) So I have like really tried and it's hard when you are an extremely type A, you know, highly organized. I want every detail, you know, whatever in my core, that's who I am. But it's also been freeing, and I think it frees the team. It, it makes the team, you talk about trust, right, with the business. That's trust with the team. I trust my team. Yeah, of course, I'm going to review stuff, obviously. And I'm going to look at it, and sometimes I catch stuff. But I trust them. I have them in the roles that they're in. I give them the feedback they need. I trust that they're going to do a good job. And so maybe I do a different font. Who cares? You know? So, but that small thing can mean so much to someone who's done the work. And so I've tried to be, you know, empathetic in my own leadership style with that. That's good business advice. That's great leadership advice. Speaking of and sticking with the idea of advice um, and looking more closely at a topic that is top of mind within the HR community, and that's building an engaged workforce. What's something that HR teams can implement immediately to really boost corporate culture and universally energize their workforce at all levels. Is there one thing that sticks out? Again, talking about secret sauce, there's your one piece that you can add in to really kickstart a corporate culture. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the culture at Logicate is unbelievable. I've never seen a culture like it's incredible. It's amazing. Everybody talks about it. People leave, people who come, people who want to come, like it, you can just feel it in the air. Right. Cause I do think so much of it is that like intangible when we talk about culture and it can mean so many different things. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things. One, first of all, you have to throw out the window. It is not about pleasing everybody. I, I have this conversation often with people on my team, with leaders, like, especially as you're scaling and growing, which we are, that's like not possible. And you can spin yourself in circles and spend a lot of time and energy wasted on that. So I think a lot of it comes down to communication for me when we talk about culture. Are we clear in our communications? Are we consistent in our communications? Are we crisp in our communications? It happens to be three C's. <laughs> Love a good brand. I'm branding everything in my life. I, I like it. That's good for a poster right there. But truly, right? Because, and that, and, and that's not just from HR. Culture is everyone's responsibility. Culture is the executive team's responsibility. Every single employee that shows up every day. Of course, HR has an added piece of that because a lot of our role and our actual job and our deliverables um, orient around that. But it's a shared responsibility by everybody. In particular, I think the people leader is, talk about secret sauce, you know, the day-to-day experience of a person at a company is generally going to be, let's call it 80% by the person they work for. You know, there's all the stuff out there. People leave people, not, not companies, right? And people stay for people, right. not companies. And so... Are you equipping your people leaders with the right skills, again, with the messaging to reinforce decisions, to share information? Sounds so basic, but 
so many don't get the fundamentals right. This is not about do you like what's being communicated? That's a different, <laughs> it's a different thing. That's why they call it work. We don't have to like every single thing, but are we communicating and are we crisp and clear? So we do a lot on the exact team of cascading talking points, right? When we have a board meeting, when we have an exact offsite, here are the 10 messages we want to go out to the org. We have a monthly all hands. We have lots of Slack channels and we really try to keep the volume as in repeating messages and keywords and all of that, whether we're talking about our strategy or, you know, a customer announcement or something and just being consistent in that. And I think that's a big key to the foundation of trust. And for me, that's a lot of what culture is about. Yeah, it's clear, consistent, and then being transparent to it. And that's something that I really think has been valued more since 2020 is transparency within organizations. Being honest when there's a hard decision to be made is valued and goes back to that idea of trust really being a dominant piece of culture and is creating a culture of trust that starts from the top. Totally. Then I'm going to say uh, perhaps a controversial piece to that is I think transparency has gotten a little blown out of proportion personally, because to run a company, everybody can't know everything and shouldn't, Yeah. by the way, for many reasons, right? That's, that's why we have people in different jobs to own those things. So, and I'm seeing that as an opportunity and a growing pain of a small organization. Logicate has grown very quickly in its last seven years. You know, we're global now. Uh, we're 50% outside of Illinois. Everyone used to be in Chicago in the same office, right? Which I'm sure a lot of companies are facing a, a version of that. And so they're very used to, oh, we used to hear everything, see everything, especially being smaller. Well, first of all, that becomes impossible as you're bigger. And second of all, it's not necessary. And so I think you got to also find what are the core messages and what are the things that people need to know and then keep people focused on their jobs and what they can impact and what their role is in the organization. Yeah, that makes total sense. And again, a, a great way to bring it full circle to why HR needs to be incorporated into so many facets of an organization is because you're really holding the keys to so much of the culture within an organization. And that really just drives so much of the why of getting people to show up and why they're invested and why they, again, choose to stay and, and really bring their full selves um, and make the best out of an organization. And that can all really start with having HR just integrated into so much of the business. So Caroline, looking more at, at you and your experiences, we talked about just always learning. What's something you've learned about yourself over the past couple of years that has made you a better leader? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always had confidence in myself. This is not about knowing I don't there's lots and lots and lots of things I don't know every day I learn something new 100% from everywhere and everything and everyone however I can do anything I put my mind to I, I made a big switch going from you know corn fair is over 9,000 employees 38 countries public to logicate which is a startup private tech 250 employees and a lot of people question that decision and question if I could do it. And, you know, nothing fuels my fire more than that. Like, tell me I can't do it. And perfect. I'm on it. Right. It's the best decision I ever made. And I am excelling in my role, have had a tremendous impact on the organization and never been happier with my decision and, and my opportunities um, to have an impact at Logicate. So, you know, it leads to what's my advice. You got to back yourself. Now, you also need to do the work and put in the work. And I think that's something that gets a little bit missed and people can disagree with me. That's my own personal, you know, how I got to where I am today. I worked a ton, did things I didn't want to do, 
you know, did work with people I didn't really particularly care for. Um, but all of those things got me to where I am today, which is was ultimately my goal, right? To be a CHRO. I wanted to get into tech. I wanted to do a startup. And I tell my employees all the time, no one's going to care more about your career than you. Sure, your people leader should have an investment. The company should have an investment. HR should have an investment. But at the end of the day, like it's you, your life that you're going to, you know, take this collection of experiences and learnings, hopefully stay with us for a while, but sometime go somewhere else, right? And you have to figure out what you want, put the energy and the focus into that and back yourself and have the work to back it. That's great. Was there going from a large organization such as Corn Ferry to a startup with Logikey, was there something that you learned quickly of, okay, here's something totally different in going from, again, large scale to a, a smaller startup? Yeah. So the first one that comes to mind is stuff moves so much quicker, which is what I wanted, <laughs> which is decisions, you know, changing priorities. It's just so much more fluid when you don't have like the mothership right, right at the helm. Now I will say those experiences, both at my last three companies were public and large, gave me perspective and an appreciation. And I'm grateful, very grateful, because I, I, I might not appreciate what I have today as much. And I think that's a big piece of it, having that perspective and something to compare to. I'm also attractive to Logigate because I bring that experience, right? We're trying to scale and grow. I know what a big company looks like. I know what the considerations are. I know what I'd like to not have. And so that knowledge helps me um, be more impactful and effective in my role. I think the other thing that comes to mind is just from an operations perspective is public versus private, because I've been at all public companies, actually, now that I think about it, every single one. And there's just things that are totally different from, you know, how compensation is treated to audits, to information that's shared, to how you speak about the company, to the investors, right? We're PE backed, working with independent investors and advisors and board members and PE firms. It's completely different than shareholders at a public company. Um, but that's also been the exciting part. It's fun, right? It's fun to learn and do something different. Um, but that, that's been probably a big shift for me. And that's embracing the unknown and, and figuring it out and, and learning from that. As you said, you're confident, but also part of confidence is admitting what you don't know and being willing to learn that. That's great. Totally. Yes. All right. So as someone who really likes to build a culture within this podcast of paying it forward, do you have any advice you leaned on as a professional that's really helped you that you could pay it forward and pass along to our audience of HR listeners? Yeah. One that comes to mind is be your own biggest critic and your own biggest fan. That kind of goes into what I was saying of, you know, no one's going to care about your career more than you are. But I try to balance and some days and weeks and years are better than others, both celebrating my successes, patting myself on the back, but also, wow, could have done that differently, right? That doesn't mean I dwell on it because we're all people hopefully trying to do our best, including myself. But yeah, I look at stuff I did six months ago. I'm like, hmm. Probably could have done that differently. I think that self-reflection and being super self-aware has been incredibly impactful to my success, particularly as I've gotten more senior, uh, as well as though stopping to also celebrate and recognize the big successes, because that's super important too for your own energy level, your passion to really hone in on what you're interested in, what brings you joy, what lights you up. Um, and then 
you know, find more opportunities like that. But you've got to constantly check in on yourself, um, particularly in an ever-changing world. We started at the top talking about this crazy world that we live in, which, you know, who knows what the flavor of the, the day is going to bring um, out in the, the big, bad, scary world. And so it's even more important to check in on yourself, again, both not just on, yay, I'm amazing, but also on what could I have done differently? And then you you make the change and you move on but don't dwell on it. But I think it's super important. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that one. That's a great takeaway to give to our entire audience out there. So now Caroline Warner, Chief People Officer at LogicGate. Caroline, do you have anything you're excited about going on at LogicGate or personally that you want to share with our audience? Yeah, I'm super excited. We just formed our UK entity for the, the first time in LogicGate's history. We're officially global. Uh, I've always worked in global organizations, but haven't been a part of starting one up, which is a whole talk about learning and opportunities. Yeah, but I'm super, super stoked, right? We've done a ton of work, myself, finance, legal, IT, right, to get our entity set up, honestly, over the last year. And we're looking to expand in, in other countries. And that just brings tremendous opportunity for me, for my team, of course, for the business and the organization. But I'm really looking forward to continuing on that journey uh, over the next year plus. All right. And for any of our listeners who want to learn more about Logicate, do we have a website we can send them to 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 check it out and learn more? Yes. Logicate.com. Please come learn about us. We've got lots of materials out there. We have a podcast, um, newsletters, of course, on LinkedIn, Twitter. You can follow us and learn all things GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. All right. I love it. Now, Caroline, before we let you go, a couple fun questions to throw into the mix. Doing my homework ahead of this interview, I learned you are a sports fan and even catching up beforehand. So. Being from Chicago, if it's White Sox, Bears, Blackhawks, or Bulls, just to round it up with the major four, and you can only get one championship, which one is it? Oh, it's a really good question. Well, I was at the Stanley Cup winning game of the Blackhawks at home, whatever that was, six years. Okay. Yep. That's my life. Thank you to my brother who got me tickets. Shout out. Um, I'm going to go Bears because, my God, we're overdue, right? 85. Yeah. I mean, come on. So I'm going, I'm going bears. We've seen, I've seen bulls in my lifetime. I've seen Blackhawks. I've seen the Sox and I am a White Sox fan, not a Cubs fan, just so we get that clear on the podcast. But no, I'm going, I'm going Chicago Bears. Let's let that be so fun. Bears. Okay. I like it. Yeah. You've gone through some tough seasons, so it's uh, good to get a win there for you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. And and Caroline, one last question. And this is all about motivation. And this is how I love to close out our interviews. You wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? I could get choked up on this one because I say I and from my heart, I am genuinely grateful to get up every day and put my feet on the floor. So my motivation, again, from my heart is that I'm alive and my feet are on the floor and let's go, you know, conquer the world. We can do whatever we we can because, you know, life is precious. It's a gift and every day is a gift and an opportunity to make an impact. I love it. And that is how we close out a podcast. So, again, Caroline Werner. Chief People Officer at LogicGate, thanks so much for sharing some great insights, some great experience in your 20 plus years in HR and paying it forward to our our great audience here and being a guest on the HR Works podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Josh. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.